So today's daf is daf lamid dalid in the Halakha Masachas Ksubis, page thirty-four in uh, Masachas Ksubis, and we pick up on the bottom of lamid gimel lamid beis thirty-three b. We are up to maskif law marzotra. All right, this is six lines from the bottom of lamid gimel lamid beis maskif law marzotra. Let's remind ourselves what we are dealing with. So we learned. That if somebody, the, the concept of Kimli Bid that if somebody's obligated in two punishments, certainly if they're both Bidei Adam, if they're both carried out by a Bezdin, there's going to be, all, the person's only going to receive the harsher punishment. However, if the actions were done at different times, then you would still receive both. We had the opinion of, um, we, we had the opinion of, I think so. I think it was Rabbi Chunim and Akana. Yeah, opinion of Rabbi Chunim and Akana, who says that you even have Kimlei B'dramine, where one is B'dei Shemayim and one is B'dinei Adam. And we just wrapped up a sugya here where um, Rav Meir says that if somebody is high of Misa and Mamon, you're going to get Misa. Now, here's the deal. We said that if somebody steals an animal from somebody else, and shachts it on Shabbos. So there's going to be a, a um, Misa because you shachted it on Shabbos. And there's also going to be the Chiyav of Dalit Vehei. So we explained that in order for that to work out, where you're going to have somebody who stole something obligated in Dalit Vehei, that's going to apply if I appointed a Shliach. If a Shliach actually was the one, um, uh, when the Shliach actually was the one, I'm sorry, acted as a shliach of the ganav. Yeah, when somebody acted as a shliach of a ganav, so that's where we're going to say that the, you, you can have uh, two obligations, both Misa and Mama, because it's really happening through two different people. Okay, and that's where we pick up now. We're up to Moscow, Marzutra. We're now going to have a fascinating, fascinating daf, primarily focused on many different halachos of Hilchah's Shabbos. Let's get into this. Marzotra asks a challenging question. Is there such a thing? A fascinating question. According to what we're saying, where you had uh, you, you had a shliach of a ganav. So what's going to happen? You're going to have one person's mechayev misa, the other guy's going to have to pay dalit vehi. Now here's the problem. In general, generally speaking, there's a rule that anything that I myself cannot create, my somebody acting as my agent cannot create either because an agent is an extension of me. So if I'm not capable of receiving the two punishments, ask Mar, asks Marzutra, how can we now go ahead and say, oh, if there was a shliach, that's going to be two punishments. A shliach can only be me. And if I wouldn't receive two punishments, you're going to tell me that now that there was a shliach, there could be additional punishment Answers the Gemara, such a beautiful lumdus cover, listen closely. Says the Gemara, no, 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 you're, Marzut, you're making a mistake with your question. Because your question is based on an assumption that if somebody were to transgress, and through that transgression, there's capital punishment and monetary punishment. Kim Lebedramine tells me you're only going to get one. Does that mean you're not obligated at all in the other? Says the Gemara, no. The reason why you're not getting both punishments is not because you don't you didn't earn both punishments. Really, you're chayiv misa and you're chayiv mama. 
Except that there's a Pasuk. And the Pasuk says like this, and this is a fascinating lumbus. The Pasuk says, Why is there only one punishment when I'm of Misa and Mamun? Why is there going to be one punishment? Not because I don't deserve two punishments. There's a separate Pasuk that says, Bezdin cannot carry out two punishments on me. But let's say there's a Shliach here. And that messenger is capable of receiving that other punishment. It's not that my messenger is now getting something that I couldn't get. I was also included in that consequence. You understand? You hear the Svar here. I was also included. I was also, I'm also Chayiv Mis and Chayiv Mam. Why am I not getting it? Because Bezdin doesn't have the ability to carry it out. They're limited to the Pasuk of Kedai Rishasai. But I'm still included. You hear the Svar? See, beforehand we thought, Kinle Bedramine tells me, Marzutra thought, Kimu Vidramani tells me, I'm not obligated in two things, only one. And therefore he had a question. Now there's a Shiach, you're going to make further obligation? It doesn't make any sense. The response is, even by you, you have two Chiyuvim. I, why aren't you getting them? Because Bezdin is limited in what they can do, because they have their own Pasuk of Mishum Risha Achasatim Achai, Vyatim Achai, Vyatim Achai, Vyatim Okay. Says the Gemara, very nice. If you're going to tell me where one guy stole, and one guy shechted it as a messenger of the Ganav, and therefore the Ganav is going to pay Dalal Behe, and the other guy is going to act as his, uh, is going to be Chayav Misa for Shabbos. My Tamayot Rabban Depachi. Why do the Rabbanan say that the Ganav does not need to pay Dalal Behe? This is going back to the Brisa. The Chum argued on the mayor. The question is, well, why are they arguing? It's two different people. It says the Gemara, I'll tell you why. Man Chacham, who's the Chum? We now turn to today's Daf. Reb Shimon, he. It's Reb Shimon. Beautiful. Reb Shimon says, now this is based off an assumption that we're going to say right now. Reb Shimon holds that if you shecht something, let's say you slaughter an animal, and it turns out that you can't eat the meat anyway. For whatever reason, it wasn't kosher. This, uh, there was a hole in the lungs. The slaughtering wasn't valid. Whatever it was. Reb Shimon holds, that's not called a shechita. When are you obligated for, uh, for shechita? When are you obligated for shechita? When you, uh, I'm sorry, when you obligate on Dalit Vehei to pay back four or five times, when there was a kosher shechita that was done. When are you chay of Misa for Shabbos? When there was a kosher shechita that was done. When does an animal become uh, improper? Uh, when it was shechted for Avay Dezar. So it says the Gemara, it's following the pin of Rishim, and says, Hence, listen to this. If I shecht something, now we're going to get on to a fascinating conversation in the laws of Shabbos. If I, we're assuming now, if I were to shecht an animal on Shabbos, it's not called a fit slaughtering. It's, called, it's, it's, a, it's a forbidden slaughtering. It's as if we're thinking right now, it's not even kosher if I shecht an animal on Shabbos. And since it's a shechita shein since it's an unfit type of slaughter, Hence, there's not even going to be a chi of Misa. I'm sorry, there's not, not even going to be the chi of, of Dalit Vehei. As far as Shabbos is concerned, you, I made a mistake before. As far as Shabbos is concerned, you may very well be obligated. Okay, but as far as Dalit Vehei, you won't be. Because Shabbos, you're obligated because of Netilas Neshama, taking the Neshama. Okay, says the Gemara, we're going to question this assumption that if you shecht in a forbidden way on Shabbos, that's called a shechita shechita. It's like a non-kosher shechita. Says the Gemara, one second. This makes sense when you somebody slaughters an animal to serve Abu Dazara. At the time that you slaughter it, that's when it becomes forbidden. Bishara Niskal or an animal that previously has been judged to be stoned. But when you shech something on Shabbos, don't tell me that's a non-kosher shechita. That is very much 
a valid shechita. The time we learned in the Mishnah, Sheikh Yippur Shabbos, Yom Kippurim, Afal Pishim is Chayven Afshay Shechita Kshira. If somebody were to slaughter an animal on Shabbos or Yom Kippur, do you have to suffer the consequence? You better believe it. You got to do tshuva. But can you eat the meat? Is it kosher meat? Yeah, it's kosher meat. So says the Gemara, why are you calling Shechita on Shabbos? It's Shechita Shainuria. It's kosher meat. Says the Gemara, not everybody agrees to that. Not everybody agrees when you slaughter on Shabbos, are you still allowed to eat the meat? There is actually an opinion, as we're going to see, of Rabbi Yechon and Hasangler, who says that when you shecht an animal on Shabbos, even if everything's in order, it was a kosher slice, it was a, everything was mamish, perfect, kosher, everything, but if you did on Shabbos, Rabbi Yechon and is going to hold its treif meat. Listen to this. Says the Gemara, Sovlaka Rabbi Yechon Hasangler. Are Brisa holds like Rebbechan Asandler. The time we looked at Brisa, what's the opinion of Rebbechan Asandler? Hamavashol b'Shabbos. Somebody cooks on Shabbos b'Shayeg. If he cooked unintentionally, it was a mistake. I forgot it was Shabbos. I didn't realize what, that it was actually cooking. Whatever it was, the halacha is Yaychal. You can eat it. It seems according to the Tanakama, which is Rav Meir, even on Shabbos. I mistakenly cooked it. I could eat it for lunch. B'meizid Yaychal. If I did it on purpose, then no. Rebuta is more strict. He says like this. If you cooked unintentionally, you can't eat it on Shabbos. Rather, you could eat it after Shabbos. It's still kosher. But you have to wait till after Shabbos to eat it. Okay? His logic is, Rebuta is of the opinion that we start allowing people to eat things that they cooked unintentionally. They may cook, quote unquote, unintentionally, and it really is intentional and lead to transgressions. Okay? So he says... If you cooked on purpose on Shabbos, it's not kosher anymore. You can't eat it anymore. Rabbi Yechon says, listen to this. He says, no. If you cook unintentionally on Shabbos, then you could only eat it after Shabbos. And guess who can eat it? You never. If you cook unintentionally on Shabbos, says Rabbi you can never eat it. Other people can eat it after Shabbos. B'mezid, let's say you cook intentionally on Shabbos. Nobody ever is allowed to eat it. Now, so Rebbechon HaSandler is saying, remember why we bring this down. Rebbechon HaSandler is saying that when you actually cook on Shabbos intentionally, it becomes non-kosher, what we call treif in our verbiage. It's not correct. Treif really means there's a hole in the lungs or whatever, but in our terms, it's non-kosher anymore, okay? So now, According to Bechon HaSandler, that when you cook on Shabbos, it's non-kosher. The same thing is going to apply if I shecht on Shabbos. We'll say it's non-kosher. And now that we'll, sh- we'll say it's non-kosher, so now it's called a shechita she'enu re'uya. It's an unfit slaughtering, and an unfit slaughtering is not called slaughtering. Hence, you're not going to be obligated in the Dalit Behe. Beautiful. That's how this all comes f- full circle. Now let's focus for a, for a few moments on this, uh, this uh, opinion of Rebechon HaSandler. Sends the Gubar. My time with What's the reasoning for Rebbechanan Hasandler? Okay, again, what does he say? He's strict. He says, if you cook unintentionally, other people could eat it. If you cook intentionally, nobody can eat it. What's his reason? This is fascinating because we touch on we, we touch on Psukum of Shabbos over here in uh, in this week's parsha, parsha of Eschanan. Okay, so here we go. This, this pasuk is not from Eschanan, but we have. Uh, you should protect Shabbos because it is Kodesh for you. Fascinating term, Kodesh. Now, where else do we find the word Kodesh? Holy, that's by Kodshim. Things that are Kodshim, things that belong to the Beis HaMikdash and are sanctified meat. 
Just like sanctified meat. Sacrifice. No one's allowed to eat it. This that we're calling Shabbos Kodesh means anything I do on Shabbos also, it's like sanctified meat where nobody's allowed to eat it. Says Gemara, how do you know that? Well, guess what? I'm not even allowed to get any sort of personal benefit from Kodesh. Are you going to tell me I'm not allowed to get any sort of personal benefit from something I did on Shabbos? Because listen closely, this is amazing. This is a fascinating point. The Gemara now is basing off an assumption that even though I'm not allowed to ever eat the meat, according to Rebbechen Sandler, if I cook if I cook it intentionally on Shabbos, he says you can never eat it. Can I sell it? Yeah, I can sell it. He didn't say I can't. So the assumption is you're still permitted to benefit. So the Gemara is asking, if you're going to tell me that Shabbos is like Kachim, well, Kachim you can't benefit from. Why Rebbechen Sandler are you allowing me to benefit from Maisa Shabbos, from an, a forbidden act that was done on Shabbos? I'll tell you why. Talmud Leimar Lachem, because that's in the Torah Lachem. It still belongs to you. It remains yours. It's not hectic. You cook on a, you cook intentionally on Shabbos. It's forbidden, like Kachim, but it's still yours. So you're allowed to benefit. I would say that it's usher to eat even when you cooked unintentionally. Let's say even after Shabbos. This whole Allah of no one ever being allowed to eat is only if it was cooked intentionally, not if it was cooked unintentionally. Hence, Rebbechen and holds if you cooked unintentionally, it's still kosher meat to other people after Shabbos. Now, Says the Gemara, Pligi bar Rav Acha Bravina. Yishnor Rav Acha Bravina argue about the halacha of, of uh, Maisa Shabbos. Chad Amar Maisa Shabbos Daraisa. One says that if somebody does a a um, intentional Maisa Shabbos, it's actually a biblical transgression. The other one says it's rabbinic. Now this is fascinating because we just brought verses saying it's biblical. So says the Gemara, Mandamar Daraisa. If you hold that Maisa Shabbos is forbidden biblically, Kedamar. We just quoted the Pesukim. Right, it's kodesh. It's like It's sanctified. It's forbidden. We understand why it would be biblical. However, man What's he going to say? He's going to say Amar kodesh he. Says the Torah says it is kodesh. He kodesh vein maseha kodesh, which means it is kodesh vein maaseha kodesh. The uh, anything that comes out of it, meaning if you were to sell it or something of that sort, that does not take on the prohibition. Of being sanctified. Now let's go take this conversation full circle to our halacha from yesterday. The obligation of paying back four or five times when you shecht uh, an animal that was stolen. Says the Gemara, if we're only dealing with um, an iser derabanan, so what is the reason that if somebody uh, shechts the animal on Shabbos, where the Torah says, when you slaughter an animal, you got to pay back four or five times the amount. We're saying, oh, if you shecht it on Shabbos, maybe it's going to be different, right? They say, you're putter from paying back Dalvei. Well, how can you say you're not obligated to pay back Dalvei? Dalvei is a biblical obligation. Now you're going to tell me because of the rabbinic decree, hanging it on that verse, you're going to tell me you don't pay Dalvei? What's, what's the logic there? So Gemara says, you're right. And this is fascinating. This changes our whole conversation from the beginning of, of where we started from today. It says the Gemara, Kika Patri Rabbanan Asha Ara. Where do the Rabbanan say that you don't need to pay Dalit Vahe? That's talking about the other cases that we mentioned in the Brisa yesterday on Ahmed Bez, which was to Shecht an animal for Avodazara, to Shecht the Sharhan Niskal. However, we're actually agreeing now, we're changing from how we started from, from how we started out today. Okay? Well, we started out by um by uh, saying, um, right? That was the answer we had to give earlier. Says the Gemara, now, no, a whole shift. And that is, you're right, 
by the case of Shabbos, actually, there, um, the, uh, there actually will not be a petur, if you hold it to the Rabbanon, there will not be a petur, a lack of obligation of paying Dalit Vehei, you would be obligated to pay Dalit Vehei. Okay, period. End of that clarification. Now the Gemara is going to ask a question that has a lot to do with the laws of idol worship. And let's get into this. If somebody slaughters an animal for Avodazar, let's say you stole the animal, so you got to pay back four or five times the amount. Except we said, since it happened at the same time, you're potter. On the Dalai Vahe, because you're Chayv Misa. The Gemara is now going to say something very, very interesting, and let's preface what this conversation is going to be. In order for a slaughtering, a shechita, to be a kosher shechita, to be a kosher slaughtering, one of the very many halachos that you need to know is you have to cut both the trachea and the esophagus, at least a majority of both. Majority of the trachea, majority of the esophagus, in order for it to be a valid shechita. So if the Torah ever uses the word shechita, that means you slaughtered a majority of the two simonim, of the two signs, what we call the trachea and the esophagus. Okay. In order for an animal to be, to be considered to be used in service of Avodah Zarah, you don't necessarily need that it was completely slaughtered for Avodah Zarah. All you need is the smallest act on the animal, and now it's an Avodah Zarah act. Now here's what's fascinating. As soon as it becomes an Avodah Zarah act, it's already forbidden for anybody to benefit from. And if it's already forbidden for anybody to benefit from, then at the time that I actually slaughtered it in halacha, I'm not slaughtering the owner's animal anymore. Because it's an animal that's previously forbidden. Now I caused that, so I should have to pay him back the original animal. But to pay the dollar of hey, at the time that the kosher shechita happened, it wasn't his anymore. It was already forbidden in benefit. So the Gemara is now going to ask, how is it ever possible when you slaughter an animal for Abu Duzara to even consider that you might have to pay back four or five times the amount? If, again, slaughtering something, you need a much greater action than just the service of Abu Duzara, which is initial. So once I, once I start the cut, I already served Abu Duzara, that's now. And then as the cut continues, that's when I'm slaughtering. It's actually happening at different times. So here we go. Says the Gemara. When a person shechs an animal, when a person an animal for idol worship, once you cut the smallest amount, it's our lay. It becomes forbidden. So when you cut the rest, uh, I'm sorry, the other one, when you cut the rest, you're not shechting anything that belongs to an owner. Hence, why you obligate on on four or five. Beautiful question. Amar Rava says, Okay, one answer you can give is he specifically said as he cut, as he's cutting the animal, um, that it's only going to be considered an avodazara action at the end. Okay, so now the avodazara action and the, the kosher slaughtering is happening at the same time. Fine. Or you could say, I'm sorry, say fine. That's a good answer. Says the Gemara, okay, that's very nice by idol worship. What about Sharaniska? When somebody has an axe, that already has a judgment for it to be stoned, it killed, it killed a human, and best and Paskin that should be killed, and then somebody takes it and slaughters it, we say, you have to pay Dalit Vahey, you gotta pay back four or five times the amount. So says, why? Anything that's judged for slaughter, 
doesn't have any value. It's not considered the owner's anymore. He's not slaughtering somebody else's animal. Why should he have to pay back the dollar of a hay? What's the havamina? What, 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 you know, what, what, ultimately, they said potter. But what's the havamina? Amarab, Rabba says, my skin, what we did with over here, you gave it over to a shaymer. What happened was, you have a guy who owns an ox. He walks over to Yankel. He says, Yankel, can you please watch my ox? Yankel tries watching the ox. The ox goes and kills somebody. Now Bezdin goes and rules that this ox is high of Misa. Okay? So, the thief then stole the Shorhan Niskal from the house of the watcher. And he holds like Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Shimon, which is... He holds like Rabbi Yaakov, who says that if somebody were to watch something, and this thing is judged to be killed, I can now go and give it back to the owner and say, here, you gave me an ox, I'm giving you back an ox. Ah, it's an ox that's to be judged. All right, giving you back what you gave me. That's it. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yaakov. And Rav Meir would agree with that. However, he also holds something that that um, is causing some sort of gain of money is considered money, okay? Which is the the uh, uh, additional payment that needs to be had. Hence, the Gemara is basically answering that despite the fact that a shorhan niskal is already judged, if you have a case where the shomer uh, had it and it gored, it killed in the house of the shomer of the watcher, and it was judged now as the watcher. Under that circumstance, you're still going to be obligated in Dalit Vehei because when you give it back, where you say you gave an ox, you gave back an ox, it's still called an ox, you're shechting an ox. Chayyab Dalit Vehei. Okay. Rabba Amar Rabba says, You don't have to say the case is where he did it through a thief, where it was stolen on Shabbos and then slaughtered. No. Rather, we could say, this guy shechted on Shabbos by himself. Top of Amun Beis. Rav Meir is going to say that even though I hold, you're going to get two punishments that, uh, the, uh, down here. That's only Malkus and Mammon. However, capital punishment and money, you usually don't get. The shiny honey. However, here it's different. The chiddush hu There's a chiddush over here. It's a whole thing. It's a novel idea. You're going to steal an animal. And you, usually you got to pay back what you stole. If you were a thief, you might have to pay back double. But to pay back four or five times the amount, that's not a real monetary obligation. That is an additional knas, an additional fine that the Torah is putting on the person. And therefore, even though... Even though there's a capital punishment, you see over here, ah, you shechted on Shabbos, Misa, you're still going to have to pay. I can't live with the fine, but this is different. Usually, give the rabbinate, but Dal Behe is different. The Rabbis consists of his own reasoning. The Amar Rabbah Rabbis says, If somebody has a goat that uh, was stolen before Shabbos, no, he stole a goat before Shabbos, and then shechted on Shabbos, Chayav, he's obligated. He was already obligated in stealing before Shabbos came around and he was obligated in capital punishment. But let's say it was stolen, he stole it on Shabbos and he shechs it on Shabbos, then you don't need to pay back the dollar of hay. Why not? Four or five times the amount. Why not? 
because you look at the Shabbos as one big hole, if you didn't steal it on Shabbos, one whole entity, if it, and therefore, if we're not obligated for stealing on Shabbos, you're not going to be obligated for, for um, selling or slaughtering on Shabbos either. Let's say you have a, uh, a, a guy stole a goat, and he, um, and he shechted it while he was Bamemachteres. All right, there's a fascinating uh, halacha which teaches us self-defense. The Torah doesn't allow us to ever kill somebody unless it's an act of self-defense. If somebody's coming into your house through a tunnel, which means they're sneaking in, you're allowed to, it's, I believe in some place called stand your ground type of rule, except it's a little different. There it's like anytime it's, somebody comes onto my property, I could do what I want, depending on the state law. Over here, it's, if there's a, if there's a, 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 a nice assumption that the person breaking into my home would be interested in killing me if I would put up a fight, which would be a person sneaking in in the middle of the night, a person coming in uh, through a tunnel. So he's already chay of misa at the time that he's ba bimach teres. Okay, so over here, here's what happened: a guy already a, a guy uh, stole a goat, and then he starts uh, breaking in or building a tunnel into somebody's home, and he shechts the goat in the tunnel. So while you're in the tunnel, you have a automatic chi of Misa, because anybody can act as Bezdin to go kill you now. That's the approach the Gemara wants to take with Rabbah. Rabbah says, you're going to be obligated on Dalit Vahey. Because you already obligated him four or five times before you came to the prohibition of the tunnel. However, let's say he stole it while he was tunneling in. Uh, then your potter shemein gneva ein tvicha veein mechira utricha, and we need a, we need both of these halachas. Why? Indeed, I mean, Mishabbos if would only tell tell us the halacha when it comes to stealing on Hilchas Shabbos. Uh, that that's what we say. There's no dalit vehei. I was a mishum disura israelim. That isur that that uh, transgression that prohibition is forever. Okay, that that pro, that that prohibition is forever. Nothing's ever changing. Even once he finishes the act, somebody saw that he was Mechal Shabbos. He's he's uh, he's uh, of Misa. Now Avo Machteres the Isser Shohu, but by Baba Machteres, where it's Isser Shoa, what happens by Machteres? You're only Chay of Misa at the time that you're in the tunnel looking to break in. As soon as you're stopping to do that, no one could just come and kill you. See, when somebody's judged to be Chay of Misa, you're Chay of Misa. That's it forever. You're Chay of Misa. When Baba Machteres, you only chayav misa while you're in the tunnel. Say him a light. I would say that you're not potter from uh, paying back the dollar. Hey, v'yashinu Machteres. If you would only give in the case of Baba Machteres, I would say bishom the Machtartoi zuhi asrasei. Listen, you know, dig into somebody's house. That itself is the hasra. Meaning, a guy's breaking in. There's a chance of killing. You have to warn him that if he kills you, that he's chayav misa. You don't have to warn him. Somebody's here to kill you. You get up, you pop him, you, you make sure that he doesn't do anything. Okay? So there, you don't need Hasra. Well, Shabbos, the boy Yisra, but made by Shabbos, which is more strict, where there's going to be an obligation to warn the guy. Perhaps we will say, aim a light. I would say that that uh, you need to pay back the Dalit Vahe. Therefore, Tzricha, we need both the case of Baba Machteres and the case of Chil Shabbos. Amar of Papa, of Papa says, if somebody stole a cow before Shabbos and shechts it on Shabbos, chayev, you're chayev on the Geneva and you're chayev, you have to pay dollar behe. 
even though you're chayv misa. Why? Shekshan is chayv gneva. Kaim shuvi over the yisur shabbos. The gneva, the stealing. Now the shechita didn't happen yet. True, but the theft happened before shabbos. Therefore, it's called like it's it's not happening at the same time. Let's say he borrowed a cow and then shechted on Shabbos. So what happens? Listen to this. I walk over to my friend and I say, listen, Yankel, I want to borrow a cow. Sure, go borrow my cow. Shabbos, I shechted. Well, guess what? At the time that I slaughtered it, I stole it. I stole it as well. It entered my possession, okay, but I'm now, I'm now still, because there's no way I'm ever giving back the cow that he gave me. And therefore, it's only going to be a Isra Shabbos. Uh, a capital punishment, there's not going to be a chi of mammon. Amr le'ravacha, b'rei de'ravu le'ravashi. Ravacha, the son of uh, Rav, said to Ravashi, Rav Papa Pura, Asol Nashminon, is Rav Papa here to teach us the, the halacha of a cow as well? Meaning, he, he says, listen, there's no added chiddish that Rav Papa just told us. We already know, like if somebody steals a goat, and that before Shabbos, and Shechzit on Shabbos, or you steal it on Shabbos, that we, we just had that. Now he's coming to tell me about a cow? Why doesn't he come and start telling me about sheep? And cats and dogs and uh, like, come on! What did you just? What, what, what's your adichidish by mentioning a cow? Amarlei says to him, Rav Papa Shula also lashmina. Actually, Rav Papa is coming to teach us an adichidish. Uh, he is teaching me a novel idea, which is even a cow that I initially borrowed. What's the chidish? So here we go. So I would have thought to say, since at the time that he pulled it, he becomes obligated to feed it. By borrowing it, you pull it out of the owner's domain, you got to take care of it now because you borrowed it. I would say at that time, also you became obligated in any sort of oinus, even before Shabbos. Hence, it's happening at different times. And therefore, Papa wants to let us know that, that not to think like that, that actually by Yeshua, by a borrowed entity, by a borrowed animal, it would have the same halacha as if I stole it on Shabbos itself. Okay? So even if I borrowed before Shabbos and then shechted on Shabbos, it would be the same as the goat that I borrowed, that I stole and shechted on Shabbos. Omar Rav, Rav says, If let's say somebody's father passes away, and it turns out, that at the time that he passed, he had a cow. The cow's name was Betsy, as most cows are. And um, he now has a borrowed cow. So, The kids can keep borrowing it for as long as the father was, had rights to use it. So father borrows something for 30 days, borrows a cow for 30 days, use it for 10 days, and he dies. His estate or his children can continue using the cow. For an additional 20 days. Mesa, let's say the cow dies. Listen to this. They're not going to be obligated in Ainsa, in any um, uh, Now, If they were negligent, obviously they are. Okay, But if something happens by accident, usually a borrower would be obligated. Over here they wouldn't because they weren't literally the borrowers. Now, says, says the Gemara, if let's say the children thought their father dies, there was Betsy the cow. They thought Betsy the cow belonged to their father. They didn't realize till later. Somebody comes and says, by the way, your father borrowed that from me. And he has documentation, whatever it is. Let's say they thought it was their father's. So what do they do right after Shiva? They get up and they shech the cow. They shech the cow. Not knowing that that's stealing. They thought it was theirs. Mishalman Dume Bosar Bezail. So you actually have to pay back the value of the meat that you ate and not expensive meat. 
if let's say their father left behind, you know, obligations on real, uh, on, on real property, so then you're obligated to use what your father left behind to pay up his debt. Says the Gemara. Some say that this halacha of uh, what, what does that statement mean? The father left for them real estate, real property, that they have to pay up his debts with that. What does that mean? So some say it was going on the Reisha, on the first part of the Mishnah, okay, which is the case of the cow. And some say it's going on the it's going on the uh, second case, okay, the case of of uh, the, uh, the the children shechting it and eating it, thinking that it was their fathers. They'll say does it apply to the reisha behind the of papa, and it's actually teaching me the same exact halacha of Rav Papa. Okay, so the bottom line is that the same way. Rav Papa earlier uh, said that if the father passes away, the inheritors, the children, do not need to pay up uh, using their father's uh, using the father's real property. The same thing would apply where if somebody borrows something and um, there's no obligation at the time of borrowing, we're going to say you cannot come to the uh, uh, real. You you can't come use the real property to pay back. Says the Gemara. It makes sense. We're going back now to yesterday's daf. Here we go. Fascinating. It makes sense why Rabbi Yechanan does not agree with Reish Lakish. Now this is going on um, the machlekes about whether you get Malk- when a person is obligated in money and malchus. You're obligated in financial obligation and lashes. Which one do you get? Rish Lakish said you pay the money. Rabbi Yechanan said you get Malkus. So here we go. Because Rabbi Yechanan is going to say that the Mishnah is following the opinion of the Rabbanon that you can't receive two Einshim in Bezdin. And it makes sense. If you're going to have the Chachamim and somebody else, we want to establish the Mishnah like the, the, uh, like the Chachamim. Okay, and therefore we're not going to pass like Rav Meir that you get both. Why does Rishlakish argue? Rishlakish is going to say, "Kivant ilu Potter." Since if the witnesses would have warned him that he's going to get Malkus, he would have been Potter from paying the fine because he says you get Malkus and more Chamer over money. I'm sorry, I think I said, before I said it wrong. I think I said Rav Yechonon held you get Malkus. So really, Rishlakish. It's the opposite. Rabbi Yechonon says money is more severe. Rishlokish says it's the Malkus. So kiloi asurbe nami potter. Even when they don't warn him, you're also going to be potter. And both these opinions, Rishlokish and his beloved brother-in-law Rabbi Yechonon, are consistent with their own reasoning. The chiyazer of Dibi Yomar, of Dibi came uh, to Bavel. He told us, chayav misay shaygim v'chayav malkus shaygim v'dabar acher. When somebody is chayav misa, except it was a shaygig, Okay, meaning you're not chayav misa because it's done unintentionally. But if it would have been done intentionally, you would have gotten misa. And if a person does something which would have obligated him in malchus and lashes, if it would have been done intentionally, um, the Allah is you, you're chayav to pay. Rabbi Yechonon, Rabbi Yechonon says chayav. I'm sorry. We don't, so Rabbi Yechonon says you have to pay. Rishlokish Amar Potter. You're gonna be Potter from paying. Rabbi Yechonon Amar Chayav. Why? Listen. You're not getting Malkus. Why? Because you weren't warned. Well, if you're not getting Malkus because you weren't warned, so you got to pay money. 
However, Rishlokish Amar Potter, Rishlokish says, no, you don't need to pay. Why? Kiva, I'm, yeah, you don't need to pay. Kiva on the Ilu Asurbei, since if they would, would have warned him properly, he would have gotten the, the Malkus, the lashes, he wouldn't have had to pay. Kiva Yasurbei Nami Potter. Now that he wasn't warned, you're going to add on an obligation? Right? An interesting way to look at it. But not like we, we said earlier on today's daf, where, you know, that there's an intrinsic obligation on both. Rishlokish says, listen, if you wouldn't have had to pay for it when they did warn you, we're not going to start having you, uh, making you pay for it once you ultimately were not warned. Okay, so that is the dispute between Rabbi Yechiren and Rishlokish. Again, Rabbi Yechiren says, if somebody would have gotten Malkus and money, and, and Mammon, would have had that obligation. Um, so if you got warning, then you'll get the Malkus. If there's no warning, you have to pay. Rishlokish says, no, you're not going to get Malkus anyway. If you get a warning on the Malkus, you'll get Malkus. If you don't get a warning, you still don't have to pay the money. You don't have to pay the money. Now that you did get a warning, we're not going to start adding the financial obligations. And now we're up to Eisvei, two lines from the bottom. The Gemara is now going to question, um, Rish Lakish is going to ask a question on his brother-in-law. And Eisvei, Rish Lakish, We said if nobody dies, then you have to pay money. So you see, if there would have been death, you wouldn't have had to pay. So now that there's a lack of of uh, capital punishment, the chi of mamen comes in. My love, asa mamish, doesn't it mean mamish killing? There's like din asa, the halacha of asa, meaning if there would have been a judgment, a, a, a capital punishment on the guy, then we would have said there's no money. But if there's not, you would have to pay. Okay, we'll pick up from here. We'll go back, bleed out there, and we'll uh, restart the conversation between Rabbi Yechina and Rishlakish and pick up on the sugya. We'll hold it here for this evening. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody. Now, get the Nacht.